Hey folks, last Thursday, President Trump escalated his longstanding attacks on the legitimacy of absentee voting, calling the upcoming November election fraudulent and suggesting that it be delayed. Meanwhile, Trump, along with prominent members of Congress from both parties, has threatened to ban TikTok, the popular Chinese video sharing app. And my friend Ben Wittes, the editor of Lawfare, joins me and Ann Milgram to discuss the recent reports that the Department of Homeland Security compiled intelligence reports on the work of journalists covering the Portland protests, including of Ben himself. Ann and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, including the newly launched United Security podcast with Lisa Monaco and Ken Weinstein, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com insider. That's cafe.com insider. College students with a valid.edu email qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. But we, we are doing something we haven't done in a while, which is uh, have a guest. We have a very special guest on. So there has been a lot of discussion and debate and controversy over some of the tactics being used by the Department of Homeland Security with respect to protesters in Portland and in other places. And there is yet additional controversy surrounding some of the things that DHS is doing. And we have a real life, I guess you could say, victim of some of that activity with us. It's our friend, Ben Wittes, who's the editor-in-chief of Lawfare, senior fellow at Brookings, does all sorts of other stuff that we crib from. Yes. (laughs) That that we, we read to educate ourselves and recommend everything that he does at Lawfare to all of our listeners. Hi, Ben. Hey. Thanks for joining us. Sorry, you were up at three in the morning. Thanks for having me. Well, you know when I ponder the universe. (laughs) How are you? Oh, I'm just, you know, sitting out on my porch making obscene gestures at the DHS surveillance drones that are circling overhead. (laughs) (laughs) How many are there? I have lost count. Are they in some kind of formation? You know, they're flying, uh, they're they're doing little contrail dances and uh, spelling out the letters DHS, I, and A. (laughs) So... Ben, it seems that DHS, a subdivision of DHS, was targeting you. What did you do? You must have done something. You must have done something bad, Ben. What did you do? Well, so first of all, they figured out that I am, in fact, the secret leader of Antifa. And this whole (laughs) lawfare thing has been an elaborate cover where I kind of pretend to be interested in protecting national security to divert attention from my secret role as the, uh, it's like a Scarlet Pimpernel thing, you know? Uh, No, the answer is I've, I really did, I guess the best word for it is journalism. I received some information from inside of DHS about their surveillance activities with respect to Portland. In the first instance, I analyzed it and wrote about it on Lawfare with uh, my colleague Steve Vladek. And in two latter instances, I simply screenshotted the uh, documents that had come my way and uh, tweeted them with a little description of what they were and some snarky, in one case, some snarky uh 
commentary on it. And each of these tweets appears to have provoked the creation of what DHS calls an open source intelligence report, which of course it being the federal government has to have a acronym, which is an OSIR, which always reminds me of the Egyptian god Osiris. I think they should figure out two more characters to lead words so that they can get all of Osiris in there. Just to just to sort of put this in context for the folks who are listening and may not have followed the underlying documents that were sent to you, they were essentially leaked to you by DHS. What was in those documents, the things that you tweeted out and posted? The three relevant documents, the first of which I did not tweet out, but we wrote about, which is actually the most significant document, is a document that describes the an expansion of DHS's intelligence gathering authority to include from all the things that we think of as traditional homeland security missions to include the protection of federal property as well as the protection of monuments, whether they are state or federal, union or confederate or otherwise, or even privately owned So this is a document that uh, describes DHS's new authority to collect in intelligence and analyze intelligence in support of the important Homeland Security mission of protecting monuments. The second document was an internal email complaining about the leak of the first document. And the third document was a internal email that described a change of terminology uh, regarding the violent actors in Portland. And it was a, a change from the previously DHS had been calling them violent opportunists. But uh, in this document, it was that was changed to Uh, and I'm forgetting the exact language, violent Antifa-inspired something. Yeah, violent Antifa-anarchist-inspired. Yes, and also used some rhetoric that was reminiscent of kind of counterterrorism missions in Iraq, particularly referring to kind of dossiers that had been created on possible suspects as baseball cards. Uh, which is a a terminology directly imported from the Iraq conflict. So those were the three documents, and um, the latter two of which I tweeted, and those two tweets produced these intelligence reports. So even if you don't know anything else about what proper policy is, what proper activity is, to gauge whether or not what DHS was doing was wrong or not, to me, all you have to know is that even though Chad Wolf, who is at the head of DHS at the moment, lets a lot of stuff go, allows a lot of activity that gets criticized, and I think rightly so, and defends it, I think, ineffectively. With respect to this episode relating to you, Ben, another reporter, Mike Baker at the New York Times, he took immediate action. Why was what DHS did so bad? I mean, they they weren't wiretapping your phone. Joking aside, they were not actually drones surveilling you. They just put together a report. What was so What's so bad about that? Explain that. First of all, Preet, the no drones thing, that's what they want you to think. Um, (laughs) um, 
I actually don't know what the difference is between this and some of the other stuff that they're doing. And my activity was completely First Amendment protected, but a lot of protesters' activity is completely First Amendment protected. And so why why Chad Wolf made such a distinction between what they did with respect to me and Mike Baker of the New York Times and a whole lot of other stuff that they're doing is actually a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. That said... Look, I think it almost certainly violated several rules, and I can identify some of them. I'm not sure I can identify all of them. But first of all, the first most basic rule is that the intelligence community and DHS INA is part of the intelligence community, is not allowed to collect information solely to monitor purely First Amendment protected activities, right? And so this activity that I was engaged in was collecting information that, you know, is not classified information from a government agency about its conduct of its responsibilities and making that information available to the public. It could not be more molten core First Amendment protected activity and there is no other component of it, right? You're not going to learn about who's threatening to blow up a monument or knock it down by collecting my Twitter feed. Um, so the first component is that. Uh, the second component is that DHS actually has a set of missions against which it is is allowed to collect. And those missions... Uh, and I, I listed a bunch of them on Lawfare this morning. In fact, I think I listed all of them on Lawfare this morning. They include things like counterterrorism, you know, preventing major homeland security threats, preventing weapons of mass destruction, proliferation, major organized crime, right? These are these are things that justify intelligence collection by INA. Leaks are not one of them, and leaks particularly of unclassified information just aren't among them. And even if you believe that maybe leaks are incorporated into some of the others because leaking information, uh, stopping leaks helps DHS do these other functions, that is not something that the guidelines, at least not explicitly, contemplate. Uh, the final thing that I think is pretty clear that these rules forbid is the dissemination of the material. DHS, this intelligence report, was authorized to be sent to foreign governments. It was authorized to be sent to tribal governments, state governments, local governments, other agencies of the federal government. None of these entities has a legitimate or lawful need to, pursuant to some law enforcement intelligence or counterterrorism objective or homeland security objective, to know what's what I tweeted. It is pretty clearly in violation of the rules, and I think that's why when Chad Wolf found out about it, he stepped in pretty quickly, even while tolerating apparently similar activity with respect to protesters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the reactions I had was that, I mean, no government department likes leaks, right? And we have seen leaks out of the administration. And and honestly, we always see them out of administrations, right? It doesn't We've seen a lot lately, but it's common. But the reaction to a leak, 
to make that basically opening an intelligence investigation into a journalist is really troubling. And I think you're, it, it is absolutely against DHS rules and it is against rules because it's not something we do with the First Amendment. It also feels very odd when you read through these tweets, Ben, and I don't know if you have a view on this, but first of all, it feels like they spent more letters on your two tweets where you just attached these documents than you did, right? Yeah. Like, there's something about it oh, that it's by, like, a, by, by sort of an order of magnitude. Yeah. I mean, if we if we did it, they like they spent – you basically just attached these leaked documents, and then they go on to do this, this intelligence product, which, again, as you said, and I think people should understand this, we used to – you know, we used to get a lot of intelligence products when I was AG, right? They share them in the intelligence community, and they're, they're provided as sort of validating – in a way that that Homeland Security thinks it's important to conduct intelligence on this. And so it really is. I mean, I sort of feel like at first blush, it can feel just really, in my view, at least my first reaction was that's so bizarre. But my second reaction is this is a really serious infringement on you as a journalist and on the New York Times journalist as well. And it's it's just a really bad, it's just really troubling to me on that level. And I don't I don't know, you know, do you think, I mean, you've written a piece about sort of thinking about whether it's incompetence or malevolence or both, and where do you where do you sort of fall on that? So I think it's both. Look, at the practical level, to me, it's kind of harmless um, in the sense that what did they collect? They collected something that I distributed to 400,000 of my closest friends. I have a lot of Twitter followers, not like Preet, but I have a lot, you know, and I tweet things in order to make things public. And so I have no anxiety at all on my own behalf about government officials sending around my tweets or even studying them for that flatters my vanity. You know, if government officials are sitting around poring over my tweets like they're studying Talmud or something, this is a, a big win for me. Um, so I don't have a problem with people socially passing it around. I also don't have a problem with them sending a tweet of mine to the inspector general and saying, hey, it looks like we had a leak to this Wittes guy. Can you do a leak investigation? And I also don't have a problem with what INA did in that document that I released, which is, you know, send around a note to staff saying, hey, who's ever doing this, giving this stuff to Wittes, knock it off. Uh, all of that seems to me totally appropriate. And I don't think I have a, any kind of legitimate interest in privacy in something that I broadcasted to 400,000 people. That said, uh, there is a difference between socially passing something around or even sending it for business purposes uh, within the agency, uh, like a press clipping or something, and what they did here, which is casting it as an intelligence collection. And, you know, in the post-Watergate era, we made a judgment as a society that the government has no business conducting intelligence activity against the people of the United States in the absence of some very specific reason to do so. And reason enough 
those reasons are articulated in the auth for DHS anyway in the authorized missions against which you're allowed to collect. And they are big important things. And when you exceed that authority and you collect somebody's tweets because it's annoying that people are leaking stuff to him, it's really there's no difference in principle between them doing that and saying hey, this Wittis guy is getting a lot of leaks. Let's see, let's create a, a kind of dossier of public record information about him. And by the way, let's go to Equifax and buy all the public record information that they have, right? If this is, if this is appropriate, I'm not sure why that isn't appropriate. And, you know, that's exactly what Congress in the Privacy Act in the 1970s said, we don't want government to be doing. And so I, I do think this is comically stupid, and it's uh, fun to have a good laugh over. Um, and I am not personally threatened by it at all. That said, I think it is very bad that government is doing these things. And here's the real point. They kind of with the wrong Marine on this one. You know, I'm somebody who has a platform that's pretty substantial. And I have a network of sources all through the intelligence community and through the national security bureaucracy as a function of what I do in lawfare. I also have a lot of potential lawyers at my disposal to assert my legal rights in this context. And by the way, all of that is true of Mike Baker as well. You know, messing with the New York Times on something like this is a bit of a mistake. That's a well-resourced organization that has a very, very long history of protecting its journalists. So you go after people in the press, and the press is going to bite back really hard this is not true of a lot of protesters, you know, and if if they are doing this kind of thing to protesters in Portland who who have every much as much of a First Amendment right to do what they are doing, assuming they're not engaged in violence, as I do with what I am doing, those people don't have a network of sources throughout the federal government to leak to the Washington Post the intelligence reports that are being compiled about them. They don't have a platform like Lawfare or a Twitter feed with hundreds of thousands of followers to air the issue. And they may not have large numbers of lawyers at their disposal who want to represent them pro bono to assert their legal rights. And so I think what happened to me is mostly funny. But what it represents is not funny at all. Yeah, and you, we were talking just a minute before we, we jumped on about how DHS, uh, the Custom and Border Patrol, which have been the lead agents that were on the ground in Portland, is the largest law enforcement agency in the United States. So I think the potential here for, for real challenges and potential infringement, it's, we shouldn't overlook it. Ben, before we let you go, you had said, and you just alluded to this again a minute ago, you said, I'm considering my legal options. Quick answer, are you going to sue? I don't know yet. I will if I think there is a suit that I can bring that will shed significant light in discovery on, on the programmatic activity that DHS is engaged in 
I know I have standing to bring something because there's this intelligence product that involves me. But frankly, I can find out what they did to me with a FOIA request. What I really want is to figure out the parameters of the intelligence activity that they're involved w- engaged in. And so I'm interested in, in figuring out a legal theory that gets me that allows a window into that. And if I if we can figure one of those out, yes, I will bring that case. Uh, I won't sue for the sake of a vanity caption, you know, Wittis versus Wolf. Ben Wittis, thanks for being with us. Keep us posted. Thanks. And if you do sue, we know a few lawyers too. Uh, I'm, I'm about to go have a Zoom meeting with some. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Talk to you later. Take care, buddy. So it was nice having Ben on, as usual. As usual? Have we done it before? <laughs> oh, I guess I've had him on Oh, you've had him on Stay Tuned. So, uh, but okay. I, I kind of feel like Ben's always on, because we're always, Listening always to him reading or, off here. Yes, it's true. To inform ourselves, so we can inform our listeners. Look, I, I think he's absolutely right. And I think he has a very good attitude and perspective on it. Not a big deal for him personally. He has a lot of resources. He's a, he's a big boy. But what it represents, and the kinds of things that DHS may or may not be doing is of great concern to everyone. Yes, and I also think, you know, this Chad Wolf has sent it for, you know, an internal investigation within DHS, but I I do feel like this has to be a part of a larger public conversation about what they're collecting and what they're doing. Um, There has to be some oversight mechanism, whether it's the DHS inspector general, but it, it does, it raises very serious questions, and now is the time to be asking them, not waiting two years for a look back or even a year. So other national security news, I guess, there's a lot of controversy over this thing called TikTok. Are you familiar with TikTok? I am for, well, so yes, my niece has it. And so do a lot of other um, young people, sort of teenagers that that we know. My boys, my boys do. I don't know if my daughter does, but my... I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid.edu email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.